Hello and welcome to What Is This Music, a podcast on the mysteries of musical taste, why we love the music we love and hate what we hate. My name is Malcolm Fraser. On this week's episode, I'm catching up with a couple of old friends. Babs Vermeulen is a DJ and musician in Toronto. Sticky Henderson is a musician about town in Kingston, Ontario. We know each other from uh, Toronto musical community back in the day. We get into that and just uh, a whole lot of music talk. And um, I thought it was really cool because I like to think that I know a lot of music, but I had not heard of like three quarters of the artists that uh, Babs and Sticky told me about. So uh, stay tuned. And of course, we do have a Spotify playlist linked with the episode, including a whole bunch of that music. So enjoy the convo. So um, Sticky Henderson and Babs Vermeulen, welcome to the show. Yo, yo. It's nice to see you folks. It's been a very long time, I feel like. It has been, but yet no time elapsing. Yeah, it's true. Um, Tell me that. We were just talking before starting the recording about like the illusion that people still look the same as they did when uh, when we were young. Twenty five years ago, when yeah, we met. Yeah. So so we know each other through the sort of music community in Toronto, like you said, Sticky, about twenty five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as I recall, y- you guys moved here together with your band. Am I wrong about that? I mean, moved to Toronto together. Not quite. We actually know each other longer. We met when we were, I want to say, like, I was probably 14, maybe 15. Mm -hmm. So if we do the math, it's a little longer than that. And I think we probably did move here together around the same time, but we didn't connect quite immediately. Okay. Yeah. We came separately, but really within like the same year, we arrived in Toronto and then, uh, yeah, didn't connect for a couple of years. We were both living in the city and then sort of reconnected. Yeah. Okay. Like we were living around the corner from each other. Cause I remember I lived on Grace street and you were in that tiny, tiny apartment on college street. Oh, right. And that's yeah. when we started hanging out again. And w- when you came to Toronto, where were you coming from? Coburg. <laughs> Coburg, baby. Beautiful Coburg, Ontario, with a beautiful waterfront, white sand beach. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I only know Coburg from, like, the highway signs. Yeah. Like, when you drive from Toronto to Ottawa or whatever. I've never stopped. Well, if you ever do, head straight to the waterfront. It's actually, like, a spectacular uh, beach that you wouldn't think to find there on Lake Ontario. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And we we lived around the corner from each other. So I lived on Division Street and you lived like one street down and around the corner. And um, we met uh, in a production of, am I allowed to say this, Sticky? Go ahead, go ahead. (laughs) We we met in a a musical production. Well, because the the other cool thing about Coburg, besides its beautiful beaches and and lovely scenery and and century homes, um, is that they had a really interesting arts community there like they had a symphony orchestra and they had this amazing um amateur theater company and we met doing um a production of the sound of music amazing (laughs) and i was a nun okay and i stick the 16 going on 17 okay uh (laughs) oldest sibling and then we ended up singing in uh choir like a classical uh operatic choir together after that so you know, the full nerd flag is flying here. Like full nerd flag. But you know, I we were not theater nerds. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stand by that. Like we we weren't. Like we we were cool. I'm gonna say it. We were cool. Um because you know, I mean I remember us like after practice being like super bad like we would smoke cigarettes after oh. practice. We would sneak cigarettes before practice and after practice and like and and I will never forget in the girls' choir. Like the girls' choir was super nerdy and it and it was really intense and super focused. And I think already then like you and I were always paired vocally. Like we were always singing together all the time. And I remember you showing up for a concert and you had dyed your hair blue. And that was like <laughs> escandaloso, and like the other choir moms were like so pissed off, and like you were you were a total rebel. Oh, some and, like, things never change. 
That's right. No, we were rebels, man. Yeah. Rebels. <laughs> yeah, because for those who can't see, of course, Sticky has blue hair today. Once again. So... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and then you, you guys played in a band together, though, right? In Toronto, mm-hmm. am I wrong about that? Spin the Susan. Spin the Susan. And people would always come up to us after the show and go, which one of you guys is Susan? Always. <laughs> but, you know. Um, but that was a, a really vocal-based band. There was also a, ga- a male singer in the band, so we did a lot of three-part harmonies. So, yeah, I think we come out of that um, vocal-centered music. For sure. Yeah. So, so when you were choir and musical theater people, like, what kind of music did you listen to at that time? Uh, the Jesus and Mary Chain. Uh, the Cure. Here. Joy Division. Yeah. We really liked Skinny Puppy a lot. Okay. True enough. Yeah. I always remember Sticky, you playing, um, covering, singing the Tear Garden song with your 12 string acoustic. <laughs> Amazing. Covering, covering You and Me and Rainbows by the Tear Garden. Oh, which my is this, God. like, if you don't know that song, it's like a really clonky industrial, you know, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really ahead of, uh, you know, ahead of the curve, Sticky, because I feel like, you know, gentle acoustic covers of like harsh songs is like a genre now is a genre well i guess i was doing it back in the early 90s so ahead of that the was curve. late that was late 80s my dear i hate to tell you oh jeez. <laughs> no wonder i have blue hair i'm officially a member of the blue hair club yeah and you know i still throw on music from back then that i was listening to you know occasionally it's not in regular rotation but uh it is for me so what what uh what what do you like to listen to today what's what are your what are your go-to's right now you want to go first babs oh geez um i listen to everything like i still listen to the old stuff from back then older stuff stuff i missed back then um, a lot of post-punk, um, a lot of minimal synth, um, Tropicalia, 60s, you name it. I listen to all of them like Sponge. Um, but I, I DJ, right? So I'm like always. And I, it's still the cu- curiosity about music has not left me. Like I'm still always searching, searching, searching for new artists and new bands. I listen to a lot of new stuff from the UK. Um, I'm probably that annoying person who's like, Hey, have you heard of squid? Have you heard of <laughs> Tipley two and the nobodies? Like, you know, I'm that guy. Yeah. Still. <laughs> well, someone's got to do it, right? Yeah. And there's an incredible amount of amazing new artists and new bands yeah. out there. Yeah. And I'm going to say new in air quotes because, you know, I think there's a lot of people even our age now who are still making really compelling, relevant amazing awesome music you, yeah, you know true have you guys heard of sneaks listening to any sneaks i haven't no um no. i got sucked in because it was a solo bass like just a, a girl playing bass and doing vocals but very different from my own solo bass style um but uh yeah i've been listening to her quite a bit lately and it's funny Babs mentioned that she's always been searching for music. So I lost that for decades where I didn't really look for any new music unless it was a band that was already established as like, you know, a band that I listened to and they were putting out a new album, you know. So I'd check out, oh, the new Breeders album. But I wasn't looking until COVID hit and all of a sudden we're at home with nothing to do and I started like looking everywhere and finding all kinds of new bands that uh, I've really gotten into just in the past year so. That's cool so what are your favorite discoveries? Um, Rosy Plain, UK gal. Um, I tripped upon her because she played bass in this other band called This Is The Kit. Oh yeah. uh, yeah. You know of them? I've heard of them, yeah. I've heard their, like one or two songs. Yeah, yeah. I really was listening to them a lot, and then I kind of uh, zoned in on the bass player and her style of singing and playing was a little bit weird, and then sure enough, she had her own band. And um, it's nice and outside the box with some poppy hooks. Nothing too hard, but really um, uh, good, yeah, good kind of beats. So it seems to me like what what you're saying, I mean, I think that happens to a lot of people as you get older, you just kind of like lose that, um, 
passion or like is it losing the passion or is it just losing like the free time because what you suggested seems like it it implies that all you needed was some some time at home to to rediscover that yeah and you know i think home used to be my quiet time and another piece of that was that i didn't really listen to a lot of music at home like i'd be out during the day you know i had my office job teaching yoga doing whatever and there's always a lot of noise pollution. And so when I got home, I relished the quiet, right? But then yeah. when you're alone with that quiet 24 seven, and it's like you're under house arrest and that time stretches out, uh, all of a sudden I wanted to fill that space with music, whereas I hadn't wanted to for years, so. For yeah. me, I, I, like having, <laughs> I like having a racket around me all the time. <laughs> Uh, so, so I'm okay with it. And, you know, it'd be like, okay, I'm commuting to work. I've got like a, you know, 40 minute streetcar ride, throw on my headphones, um, you know, do some hunting around. Uh, it's interesting though, because I mean, I think they did a study or they, they, there's some kind of poll of like the music that you listen to, I think up to like age 30 is kind of like, that's where supposedly your musical development stops for most people. And that music that you've listened to up to that point, that kind of becomes like your canon and what you gravitate towards and what you stick to mm -hmm. um you know and and i think maybe stylistically like for me i'm listening to like a, there's a great band called pottery from vancouver who are amazing um i'm listening to um a band called squid from the uk i really got into like uh, fat white family um they're they're from the uk oh yeah i've um, heard some of their stuff fat white family it was a bit yeah, it amazing. reminded me of ween a little bit in that kind of intense um uh, I don't know, lumbering kind of way. Like they're a very odd band um, for sure. And I, I kind of like compare them almost like they're kind of very stranglers esque um, and, and very like Northern England um, of that sort of mindset, very much around like the, the fall. And, and I guess like this whole post punk and I know like post punk has become kind of this thing that everybody loves right now. And I, I think maybe because it's just such a good catch all, right. Cause it, you get kind of new wave sounds, you get synth sounds, you get angular sounds, you get crunchy bass sounds. It, it's a good catch all. So it's, it's easy to, to, to sort of label everything that. Yeah. Days. You can sort of like include quite a bit in that umbrella term. Okay, so first, uh, Babs, you, you said that you are still searching out stuff. Uh, where, where do you search? Um, a couple different places. I mean, Spotify is great because um, it's just there. I don't like being a slave to the algorithm, though. Um, you know, mm -hmm. so I kind of try and I, I try and like also too like Facebook is great. Like just like what's everyone listening to? You know, like listening is a good skill to develop. And it took me a while. <laughs> You know, to be like, oh, so-and-so's into this. Cool. Let me check that out. Or if you like this, you like that. Bandcamp, actually. That's an algorithm I trust. Um, I've been finding a lot of good music on Bandcamp. And they're like, if you like this, you'll like that section. Like, it actually leads you in some pretty good places. I found an amazing band called Vows, Vows there. Um, and they're they're super cool. Um, you know, a friend of mine posted about an artist named Gloom, who I was like, oh, I just thought they were like an internet personality. And it turns out she's like this crazy, sort of very ethereal weird yeah um, i just checked dark. her out recently i stumbled she's, on gloom there you go she's she's crazy she like posts videos of her getting botox and she looks like you know like this sort of very like J japanese fetish like these big eyes and and and, okay. and white face you know it's it's crazy but she and she's signed to um i think it's is it italians do it better but she's kind of like in line with like the chromatics and like you know so very high ethereal female vocals underneath like synthy you know dancey mm. kind of 80s sad beats um which is I really feel cool. like that's another whole genre or subgenre that's become dominant in the last few years oh for sure you know for sure um and you know i mean like we just derek just subscribed to like uncut again like so we're still getting magazines in and 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 stuff like that so and and also too like djing it's great because covid amazingly enough, like has put me in touch with a whole bunch of other DJs and we've sort of been forming this loose collective and we all share music and share um, resources. And so, you know, it's really neat to hear what they're listening to and, and, and sort of learning from them and, you know, taking it the next step. So lots of places. Yeah, that's cool. Um, what about you, Sticky? Where, where have you made the discoveries that well, you, uh, I'm a bit of a, uh, 
I like the term techno peasant. Uh, I'm not totally in touch with um, up to speed with the whole 2021 uh, social networking. <laughs> so I go to YouTube. <laughs> YouTube is go, great. I go to the old YouTube and uh, stumble on a lot of weird stuff there. And you know, whenever you're watching a video, it always pulls up like a bunch more stuff like that. But. Um, I'm also listening to, not by choice, uh, a lot of Cajun music lately. Um, the person I share a house with is building yet another Cajun accordion. And so for at least two, three hours a day, I've got uh, Cajun squeeze box going on in, in the back of my soundscape. So I so hope they do it, studies it, on like what that does to your mental, <laughs> mental state. I, I remember that Sticky, like when when we were first corresponding, you said that you were listening to a lot of barbershop quartet music. Yeah, so all through the different, over the years, I always gravitate toward music that has a lot of vocalists. Um, uh -huh. I've sung in barbershop quartets. I love the way uh, when you're just using voice, a cappella, the voice creates the chords and the tensions and the resolve. Um, and so even today I'm listening to a lot of dirty projectors because they've got, you know, four vocalists, <laughs> smoke and harmonies. Um, and they put out five EPs in 2020, which was kind of an interesting way. They had like 20 songs to release. And so they did it in these, in these uh, five short EPs where they featured one of the singers on each and sort of did it that way which I thought was pretty cool but um I love that idea for sure yeah. like I wanted to do that with our last release was just do like a bunch of EPs I think it's so cool yeah yeah and for 2020 being like the year of lockdown it was it was really nice to be looking forward every couple months like oh the next dirty projectors EP is gonna drop boom so um even though they're not making music anymore I still listen to that dog quite a bit and again lots of three-part harmonies um with the added bonus of the sister harmonies. Which is super fascinating too, because like the, 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 the voice, I mean, that's why a voice is such a really fascinating instrument because it's you, like it is physiologically mm -hmm. like your throat, your vocal cords. I was curious because uh, Babs, you said you were talking about a, a release that you were, were, were going to do. So are you, are you still involved in, in playing music and creating music? Yeah, I am. <laughs> Foolishly, yes. Because um, I remember it, a little while ago, you posted something on Facebook that kind of made me sad where you, you were talking about like not wanting to perform anymore or to be a front person anymore. And I, 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 it kind of bummed me out because I always thought of you as such an energetic and a fabulous front a force, person. A force on stage. <clears throat> Um, you know, it's funny because being in bands for like 25 years or so, um, it, you know, I love it. Like I loved it. I, I still do, you know, I, I super do. Um, you know, and, and after Spin the Susan broke up, it was pretty much just, you know, that's kind of when I found my voice and, and wanted very much to be that, that front person, but you know, time goes on and, and, you know, you're in bands, you tour, you live the high life, you've got your crazy indie years. We all did, um, you know, and, and I kind of had checked off a lot of boxes of things that I wanted to get done, but also too, I mean, you know, you get to a certain age and you look at your life and it's like, you know, I've definitely made some sacrifices for my art. Um, you know, like I don't have a home or children or, or, you know, like my life is pretty simple and stripped down and that's totally by choice. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I often say that like, if you're going to start a band, you might as well just take a huge pile of money and just set it on fire. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I said I've said that before too or like some yeah. people would say well why don't you tour I was like well I could go on tour or I could take like thousands of dollars and flush them down the toilet and it basically <laughs> accomplishes the same thing like more or Except less can you put a price on memories now? Right. <laughs> no, and, no, and you can't. Right. And, and again, no regrets. I mean, I always lived my life with like no fucking regrets. I never wanted to be like, you know, hopefully knock on wood, 99 years old being like, oh, I should have done this, you know, like, so I'm glad I did. Um, but I think the last band I was in, you know, you kind of look at your life and you're like, okay, I'm pushing 50 here what's going to ha really happen with this? And, and other people have other projects and it's hard to just get everybody in a room and, and get things done. And things just kind of started winding down. And 
I, I became rather disillusioned. And so, yes, I am. Long story short, yes, I am still making music. I ended the mean. Um, we ended, it kind of petered out for a couple different reasons. But of course, my partner, my wonderful partner um, and husband, we'll call him, um, he's also a musician and, and he likes having women in his band. So I was given the unique opportunity to play music with him and not have to be the front person and just be like the cool chick who plays synths, sometimes maracas, yell in the background, do my harmonies, um, you know, have my little parts. And that has been something that I'm really excited to explore again. And it did kind of rejuvenate and give me the, give me the fire again to like want to do this, um, you know, and, and be a part of something. Cause it never leaves you like you can't, I was probably just bullshitting. <laughs> I know what you mean. And I also, I mean, it's been a very long time for me, but I loved the feeling of like just being in someone else's band if if for nothing else then like they can make all the decisions and just tell me what to do and i don't have to have any artistic angst about it or just like yeah yeah, yeah. Definitely. hang out play the keyboard let them make all the decisions yeah, yeah. that's what because i've it's... been doing of late just uh i guess i haven't been singing in years so um but i'll sit in on bass with like somebody else's band it's totally their deal you make the artistic call you want me to stay out for the second verse aye aye captain whatever right no pressure <laughs> yeah i hated writing lyrics that was one thing i did never ever ever enjoy i never enjoyed writing lyrics um and also too like you know you get into the grind of like all of a sudden being a musician you went, don't it used to be that you just had to be a great musician and you just had to be good then it became sort of during our time you've got to start booking your own tours being your promo person being your social media person you know doing all of this other shit um that it's is a lot related. of work yeah. But a lot of work and, and that grinds you down too, you know, and, and, and that was a factor for me too. Yeah, it's a lot for sure. Um, so Sticky, you mentioned that you haven't been singing. Is that for a, a, like a, a medical reason? Yeah, I, yeah, I dislocated my jaw three years ago uh, and I've, I've, I've <laughs> I don't want to belabor the, the subject, but um, I, I can't really sing right now. I, a little bit for a few minutes, but if I give any kind of like projecting behind it, um, it just vibrates the the joint and it, it's extremely painful. So, oh man, that's uh, a bummer. I'm working on that. It's a work in progress. Um, so, okay. but you know, I uh, so I've had to find other ways to play music, and so just being like the bass player in somebody else's band, great. Uh, taught myself a new instrument. Um, I taught myself the kalimba, and I have a nice, like... Um, is that not, the thumb piano? Yeah, it's a thumb piano, but I have a, a version that has, like, a couple octaves that you... It's not, like, a simple eight-note thing, so you can actually get, like, decent melodies on it and uh, play, like, chords slightly, so really enjoying that, just there. Have you ever heard Laura Barrett? No. She's a Toronto... Uh, singer-songwriter who plays the kalimba okay, really I'll check brilliantly. Um, yeah. Write that down, Laura uh, Barrett. I was thinking this morning, Sticky, about how, like, when I first knew you, you played in the band The Shit with uh, Peaches, Chili yeah. Gonzalez, and Maki. And, yeah. uh, you know, obviously it was a, that's a, a powerhouse super group, and, and your energy was so amazing in that band and your stage presence and... Uh, it was really like, I mean, I feel super privileged to have seen you guys perform because not oh. a lot of people were there typically. And I was just like, yeah. what? This is like the best band ever. Like, you know, what? Wh why are there only 50 people here and like half of them aren't <laughs> paying attention? Uh, and I feel like that's, you know. Well, my one uh, moment where I realized that the shit was, I mean, we were only together for just over a year, maybe a year and a half, um, but that I realized that they left an impression uh, was when I actually met Gord Downey, you know, Kingston legend uh -huh. um, of the Tragically Hip, and I had played in a band that was kind of in their orbit, whatever, but I hadn't met him, and he walked up to me in a bar one night after I'd been playing for a couple of years with this other band that he's close to and he goes oh hey you're sticky don't you play in I thought for sure he was gonna say weeping towel he goes 
don't you play in the shit? <laughs> and I was like, Gord Downey's seen the shit? What? <laughs> so I guess he stumbled onto uh, one of our live shows and uh, it, it left its mark. <laughs> there was definitely like a very m- magical time around in and around that scene like I think about you know the world provider um Mike Fox it was a rock and roll bad boy express love the rock um, and roll bad boy express shout the out sh- <laughs> yeah the shit feed him I gotta give props to feed him because like yeah I remember one show at um on uh oh jesus christ at the shanghai Uh where like probably we were all just like fucking high as fuck and sitting there just walking watching this assault of insanity um you know and and just pile driving riffage it was incredible and again maybe 25 of us there you know um and 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 you know that was a really unique and interesting time and again you know we were all transforming and all emerging you know i mean when we all met each other we were we're like you know little chrysalids little you know beautiful little 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 butterflies about to emerge and and the way that everybody kind of broke out of their 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 little pods and and what they became each of us our own little wonderful little butterflies it's, <laughs> it's quite amazing you know to think about you know watching Meryl become peaches become peaches v1 peaches v2 peaches v3 um you know um watching um Dave Segetti his trans you know his <laughs> transformation into into Taylor Savvy and of course, you know, Chili Gonzalez and, you know, from sun to back to, um, you know, I mean, I still remember that night that we met him, which was a show at the Revel at the Rivoli when we opened for him. And oddly enough, the other band on that bill was a band called Soup. And the drummer for that band, Juice, Justin Cadis, he ended up being in the mean, like we made music many, many, many years afterwards. And, you know, he became a very close musical friend of mine. So it was really interesting you know, that, that in this very formative time, all of us met, you know, we all traveled our own paths, but yet still always managed to sort of come together, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I think so. I mean, it was a very, very special and magical time. And I feel like, you know, for me, uh, like I, I, it's a badge of pride. Like I can say that I was there, you know, <laughs> seeing these superstars when there were only like, you know, 10 other people there in the audience yeah Um, didn't know you know on that note i i remember um before feist became huge uh she came to kingston and opened for my band ass machine um Mm -hmm. i had that band for another great band amazing band an amazing name Loved that songs and everything. Loved that Um Anyway, so when she did become huge, people I heard somebody complaining like, "Oh, how come Feist doesn't ever play in Kingston? You know, she'll go to she'll play in Toronto, she'll play Montreal." And I'm like, "Oh, she played in Kingston. You missed it. There were ten people there." (laughs) (laughs) And and both Feist and Meryl were in Rocketettes. Oh right. You know, yeah, like we did one Rocketits show, all of us together. And the interesting thing about Rocketits is that Rocketits was actually the first Rocketits show was me and Meryl, just the two of us at the Lions Pub. Um, And I think she was playing bass and I was playing guitar because Taylor Savvy had been teaching me guitar and I was like the worst student ever. It was just like, whatever, I'm just going to play these power chords, fuck, whatever. Um, And a drum machine, you know, and that that was like the first Rocketits show. So, yeah, yeah. So Taylor I also Savvy. love the band names too, like Rocket Tits, Ass Machine. Like oh. we were very much in a in a zone there. In your face, <laughs> in your face with the band names. Um, I listened to Taylor Savvy on this podcast, Mal, and uh, uh-huh. he brought up something very interesting about that time. So we're talking about like '95 to 2000. And yeah, about that. That was just before the explosion of the internet, and and it's all lost time because it's not documented. People didn't have their cell phones out recording all of those shows. And it's this little lost, um, yeah, lost period. They've been posting, um, people have, and it sort of has been emerging, because I think the, the Elmo tribute nights became like a very 
kind of one of the places where everybody would would center. Like I remember very distinctly the Beatles one that the shit played, and everybody was like, "What the fuck is this?" When you guys did um, the Beatles, you guys no, did... it was David Bowie, wasn't David it? David Bowie. Yes, sorry, yeah. it was the Bowie one where you did um, Space Oddity, and it was just like this crazy fucking version of Space Oddity. Yeah, um, and and, five and, and I think years. that. There's some video that survives of that and people are kind of now coming out of the woodwork and posting it. But yeah, I mean, could you imagine if we'd fucking had cell phones and cell phone cameras back then? It would have been crazy. And maybe a lot of that magic might have been lost. You never <laughs> know. It could be for the best. It could be better in our memories than it was in real life. But I, I, I maintain that it was that it was awesome. Sticky, earlier you mentioned uh, the band Ween, and that was something I wanted to bring up because, Babs, I remember that you were a, a huge super fan back in the day obsessive yeah i feel like there's sort of a misunderstood band in some in some ways they're a band that like i think you know again transformed like and and it's funny you know because going back to your conversation with with taylor savvy with dave i thought for sure in the interview he was like he's going to talk about ween he's totally going to talk about ween because one of the questions that you had talked about was like are there bands that you still follow and buy their records even though like you don't really like the new records but you had such an attachment to those bands that you can't kind of help but not let them go uh-huh. um I, I did let go of ween probably after like i want to say the fifth album like when white pepper came out i was kind of like eh. mm-hmm. but those first four four albums are sick i remember distinctly there was one night uh we were so into ween and and we were hanging out at the 701 when Dave was living there and the Ween album came out at midnight and we drank all day. We were so excited. We drank all day partying our faces off at midnight. We pile into this cab, just drunk our fartets, go to Sam, the record man, pick up a copy of the mollusk, came back to the 701 fucking cranked that record. And we're just like, what, what? And like, that was their like kind of big seafaring prog record. Mm -hmm. Uh It was very different. So you were, you were disappointed then. After after the fact, like I loved that record, and then I was really excited for the next one to kick come out. And at that point, I was kind of like, eh, not so much. I mean, live they were amazing. I think I've seen them like something crazy, like eight times or nine times, and like, yeah, they were fantastic. But again, I mean, you know how? I think that's a really good run. <laughs> for sure, like, for sure, that's an amazing run. Um, yeah, and I also think that in those later records, there's there's a, a number of gems, like. There are, you know, yeah, a few, the odd, like the Grobe, uh, maybe that was White Pepper. Sorry, what, what were you going to say, Mal? Oh, just just that, that like, you know, maybe it's unfair to expect like a long-lasting band to keep cranking out great albums, you know, time and time again. But like, for, for those those guys for sure, like you could compile a, a, a collection of like great later period songs. Yeah, true enough. Sure. We did a Ween tribute night in Kingston um, at a, a venue called The Mansion. And I don't know, there might have been 10, 12 different bands, each just doing a couple songs through the night. And I remember doing some songs from the later album, like The Grobe and uh, Booze Me Up and Get Me High. That's, that's um, what else did we do? Can't remember. Isn't <laughs> that terrible? Um, well, I, I remember, uh, Sticky, I mean, because you've been in Kingston for a number of years now. Since 98, I moved here. Okay. <sighs> wow. Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> and uh, you had Ass Machine, who were a, a, a pretty uh, powerhouse band. Yeah, we kicked around for three albums worth of time. And then you had this other band called Music Mall, which, uh, which did a couple of Sorry, that's my husband's band, Trevor. Like, he's the main singer-songwriter and kind of... Okay. Yeah, Music Mall. So is that still an ongoing project? So Music Mall was originally a recording project and never intended to play live. Uh, We put out two albums before we ever even thought about getting on stage. After we released the third album, that's when we put together some semblance of a live band. And the thing about Music Mall albums is there could be 20 musicians on each album. So Trevor would write and record the main song and then he'd give a shout out to different people, right? And in this age of technology, you don't have to travel to Kingston to record, right? We'll send you the the song, you put down a guitar part, send it back to us. So, you know, the credits on a Music Mall album are lengthy. There's so many different people. It's like, um, 
a group of associates. So we uh, put together a live band, which was um, Sarah Harmer on drums, Julia Shaw on keyboards, me on bass, Trevor on his um, Cajun squeeze box, and then a guy named Brent Huff uh, on guitar. Um, he lives in Toronto. And we played four, five live shows. That's it. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Cause, because I feel like World Provider played with you at two of those shows. Possibly. So like, okay, we, yeah. we, we maybe played as many as eight shows. I remember three of them specifically were for an album release, and we played Ottawa, Kingston, Toronto, three nights in a row, um, with the five of us all sharing one hotel room. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, you know, true DIY style. But I remember really enjoying... Uh, the time that we played with you in Kingston because it seemed like um, it was just... Oh, I, ca I came away thinking it was like music for the right reasons somehow. It just it seemed like you guys were having fun and it was more of a community yeah. thing. It wasn't really tied up in like goals or right. ambition. We weren't trying to please anybody and, and that, that I think is... Um, well, that's the true sort of gist of the outsider musician. And I would put Music Mall as outsider music because some of it is like way out in the left field. Um, but where you can get weird enough that you're not, con and you're not concerned if you're turning people off, right? Like you don't care if somebody's like, oh, this is fucking awful, I'm out of here. You're doing it for the sake of whatever it is, your own enjoyment, yeah, so. Um, so the last uh, Music Mall did put out a fourth album, and we haven't played live since that third album. But the fourth one is called Special. And uh, yeah, it's, I would say, by far the most outside the box. Some of the vocals on it are just bizarre. So worth checking out, you guys. <laughs> yeah, I would like to hear that. Um, so, Baz, when, when we were corresponding, um, I was asking you, like, about your musical taste and you you said something like you're always a uh, a little bit ahead of the curve um what, what does that mean to you i don't know i mean it sucks because there still is this conversation around like oh you're a hipster like there's still like i belong to like a but again always curious i think it comes from curiosity more than this need to be like oh i'm so cool right like i just want to know like i just like weird shit right like I liked ween. If you like, if you like early ween, you like weird shit, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so I belong to this, um, you know, group that's like outsider DIY weird music. And, and there's this ongoing sort of accusation of like you and your hipster shit. Um, and I never, never really approached it like that. You know, it's just that everyone's ears work differently. Music is super subjective. Um, the stuff that I like, I just happen to like, and by some sheer stupid luck, um, it is that, you know, I will just like something because I don't give a fuck. I just like what I like. And then oftentimes what will happen, like case like case in point, like a band like Fat White Family, um, I actually stumbled across them thanks to a friend of mine who lives in Sheffield. Um, and, and I found him on MySpace. He's like an old MySpace friend. He's this amazing artist called Kings Have Long Arms. His name is Adrian Flanagan. Uh, and, and I became sort of obsessed with this sort of microcosm of, of, of synth weird um, kind of 80s um, synth punk post-punk throwback groups like groups like add into x and and groups mm -hmm. like i monster and and he was part of that scene um and and he just posted this video um of this new band called fat white family and i was like oh fuck this yes you know and interestingly enough you know two three years later they you know become again not household names but certainly you know like pitchfork darling mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. have you or yeah. you know you know whatever and and it's just this weird knack i mean i worked for a label for a while i worked for warner canada for like a year and a half um because again you know it was like just being like okay like you know i just i like shit um you know case in point i mean i knew when peaches was doing what she was doing when everyone else and we all know this people would be like what the fuck is this and i was like Mark my words. Mark my words. Like, she's doing something. This, this is, is important. Yeah, this will work. Yeah, like, this is important. This will work. You will see. And sure enough, we were right. And I remember when I worked at Warner, 
that this was before um, Death from Above became really big. And I remember trying to convince them. I was like, this this Death from Above band, like, you, you should listen to them. And they were like, bah, you know, like, they'd always be like, ah, you and your weird fucking indie shit, whatever. And I was like, eh, I told you so, whatever, you know. I, but I never <laughs> want to be the I told you so guy. Like, that's not a great position to be in well know, yeah like, i mean but it, but you can like silently know that you were that you were right there's a certain <laughs> smug I, I pleasure in that i i get nothing from it i mean at the end of the day i just want good people to hear good music you know and that's why i like to share music and maybe why i still like to dj and why i still make mixtapes and like because i want to share that you know yeah well that's what it's that that's what it's all about and i mean like you know, getting back to the, the, the hipster accusation, like, it's it's really pretty meaningless at the end of the day. Like, it's always a projection of the person's own exactly. insecurity or whatever. And the fact that you consider it an accusation to be referred, like, why isn't it just an okay thing to be? Like, why does something yeah. have yeah. to be... Well, that's it, like, yeah. You know. My friend Elizabeth said that if you know what the word hipster means, then you probably are one, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so um, I have a question for you guys because, you know, music is so subjective and you cannot help what you like, you don't like. Although when you spend your life around music, you certainly become more open to a vast amount of genres. Like you guys and my other musicians' friends, I could look through your collection and there would be like a wide spectrum of all kinds of stuff. But what I want to know is, what music do you hate? What sends you running across the room, leaping toward the volume knob to shut it off? That's a good question. And I mean, you know, it's one of the themes of this whole podcast. So mm -hmm. but for me, like, you know, I'm pretty, I like to think I'm pretty open-minded. The, the only stuff that I'll like usually reach for the channel fast is like super fast, aggressive techno, where it's just like no dynamics, no. And I'm just like, and I'm, and I want to, I'd love to be, like not proven wrong, but I'd love to have someone say to me, okay, here's like a, a playlist so you can understand this genre and hear something to appreciate in it. But that has not happened to date because I just feel like I like some dynamics or like, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I like a lot of aggressive music, a lot of music that just sounds like noise or is noise. Uh, but somehow when it's just like, it sounds like a, you know, a headache coming on. Yeah, like a, just a yeah. Pounding, Sounds like a fast, power drill. Uh, like no a, changes. No, yeah. I keep saying, you know, no dynamics, but I think that's the... And then, like, apart from that, the only other music that, like, I reflexively don't like is typically, like, new country. Oh, yes. But, oh, I'm with you. But I feel like in there, in within that, there's... that that might have something more to do with some kind of like ingrained prejudice of mine than any like objective musical quality or Fair enough. Not, not that there's any such thing necessarily. I mean, again, I, every once in a while I'll hear a song where I'm like, I like this, you know, I like this new country piece. And like, what's the difference between new country, alt country, traditional country. I don't, I really don't know. And, uh, but I know what I like <laughs> and somehow when it seems like it's, um, it's like the combination of it being overly corporate with like pandering to a sort of like simplistic point of view that that's what, that's what I don't you know, like. You know, like new country songs about my truck. <laughs> well, you know, that's the thing. It's like, they're not that music has to be authentic. I mean, I think that's another kind of like ultimately meaningless term. But yeah, when like a super rich person who lives in a mansion is like singing songs about like driving a truck down a dirt road and how like down home he is, there's something a bit distasteful about that to me. And I love wordplay and puns, like corny puns. I love them. But sometimes in the country lyrical yes. you know framework it just not it just doesn't do it for me i guess is the bottom line yeah that's why i love the ween country album 12 country golden greats because they <laughs> totally you know took took that and ran with it yeah it's yeah i mean you know it's funny because i mean the interesting thing too is that a great song transcends production values right like mm -hmm. a great song you can perform in any way and it will still be a great song 
Um, you know, and it's funny, Mal, like, cause I hear you on the, on the electronic and the, the techno, like, I think the Swedes and the Germans, especially with like happy hardcore and trance music, like that shit, I just, I can't, I can't stand it. Can't, and it's weird because everyone, you know, cause I gravitated towards synths and stuff and everyone's like, oh, you must've really loved the rave scene. No, like sat that out in a huge way for a number of reasons. Um, you know, it's weird, like music that makes me change the channel or music that I like don't get. And maybe this is me finally at the point where like. I kind of want to say, like, does this mean I'm getting old? But, like, SoundCloud rap. Do not, do not SoundCloud get a lot rap. of the SoundCloud rappers. Just, like, because I think the beats are just kind of shitty. Um, and I think the raps are just kind of lame. Like, you know, like, I like great MCs with, like, flair and personality and great wordplay. And just, like, a lot of these people are, like, super mumble mouth and kind of boring. But maybe that's just me. And, and, and I only have so much time and bandwidth to, like... It's, it's definitely listen. not just you, but because a lot of people have have shared that with me and i'm i'm on the lookout for anyone listening for someone who loves that kind of rap to come on and give a spirited defense of it because i want to let us know let us know what about you sticky what's the music you hate uh well it's um it's funny because one of your former guests did come on and defend it and i listened to her arguments and i tried to keep an open mind but reggae, I have no tolerance for reggae. And I know I'm a bassist and people are like, how can you not? But it's the reggae ska, it's that backbeat. The music's always, you can't, okay, this is audio, you don't have the visual, but um, it, it's unsettling. I just want to kind of like, it's going against my grain. I don't know what it is. Rubs that's, me the wrong way. It's interesting that you mention it because I'm actually coming back to like like roots reggae Toots like roots reggae, old old school ska like proper proper i'm gonna say proper in air quotes um and i do love two-tone i do love like the second wave first and second wave of ska third wave not so much like modern no um but the old shit you're not a fan sure. of you're not a fan of smash mouth buzz i'm uh, shocked oh, 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 <laughs> oh, 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 oh not my thing um, yeah but yeah yeah no I, I do like uh, i do like some roots reggae and um i i, I do enjoy that but again like i love because i'm I, I identify as many things but like i love mod culture i'm a moth i'm like half a mod half a goth right so i'm a moth <laughs> and and so when you're a moth you know you kind of get into um that whole 60s um it's great because it's like psychedelic music. It's, um, it's, it's, you know, British music, it's, it's rock and roll, but also too, um, many other things, um, and going into like Britpop and, and, and two tone and, and going into like early ska and reggae. It, it's a nice big umbrella of awesomeness, you know? Um, so, so I explore cool. a lot within that umbrella. Well, I understand how other people can enjoy it. Like this is the thing too, you know, just because it rubs me the wrong way. I, yeah. I, I appreciate yeah, well, I mean, and I liked listening to your guest and hearing like all the great things she had to say about reggae. Uh -huh. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, same with me. I mean, I, I think that's part of, you know, why I've been trying to do this project is just trying to like see where people are coming from and understand like people's differences. And at the end of the day, like a lot of the time, I, I still don't, you know, I still don't agree or don't like feel the same way, but like I can at least... I feel like I can see where people are coming from a little bit more. Yeah, you see where they're coming from, even though you're not there. Like you yeah. would never choose to go put on that new country with the cheesy rhymes and the. Yeah, well, not yet. But you never know. I like to think that something something could change over time. I like to think I'm not totally calcified, but that's probably you know a bit, a bit delusional. I think too, like, and this, this might get me into a bit of trouble, but, um, I struggle often, like if I'm going to run for the radio dial and turn it off, I struggle a lot with, um, the definition of like Canadian music. And so the, the sort of MOR bands, like bands like Nickelback and, and other bands that have become this like identifiable like just almost enmeshed in Canadian culture of this is Canadian music. And okay. I think because of our experience and, and I'm going to say, I mean, rest in peace because I know so many people do and did love, you know, Gord Downey and, and, you know, I know that you knew him pretty well sticky and like, and, and I think that their songs are, are great, but they've just never spoken to, to me personally. No, um, me neither. On, I never listened to the tragically hip. 
I opened yeah, for know. them once and had the and opportunity to watch the show, and I grabbed a nap in the back of the van instead. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, and and people get angry. Like if you if you don't like the tragically hip, you're not fucking Canadian. Like I, how dare I had this you? Funny experience uh, when I used to work in uh, subtitling and closed captioning. Oh yeah, and uh, and like a one of my francophone colleagues was doing like French uh, subtitles for like the tragically hip had won some award and there was a a show about it, and she was like, "Hey, do you like tragically hip?" And I was like, "I'm English Canadian." It's like you know, it's just in the air. Like you can't, you can't say that you like it or don't like it. Although obviously many people for, for, for many people, their music was super meaningful. Yeah. Um, And, and, and I, and I respect that, you know I mean? Because again, we all have our own personal connections with music. And again, there's socioeconomic factors. There's just like where you were at a certain time when you hear a song and it becomes a part of your life. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, You know, I think, and again, coming from the scene that we came from, and I think maybe some of the barriers that we've maybe might've faced is that we weren't making music. And certainly I know when I was in ProCon, it was a huge problem. Um, uh, and, and in the Hellens, because we didn't have an identifiable Canadian sound. Like you don't sound Canadian. Therefore you do not get factor grants. You do not get looked at here. Um, it's a difficult, I mean, everyone moved to Berlin for a reason. Sure. Yeah, you I mean, know? didn't we used to joke about being too rock for electro, too electro for rock? Like that, Fuck, that totally. schism still existed or maybe still does in the in totally. a Canadian context. I mean, we released all our albums in the States. We'd never had a proper release here because we just did not fit into that mold and that mindset, you know. And so maybe it's it's a bit of, um, you know, on my part, like kind of like, eh. You know, um, but but to me, Canadian music is so much more like I have a really great friend. His name is um, Dave Rout, Data Freak, and he's an amazing electronic music musician, also a huge fan of ska and reggae. <laughs> um, but he recently did an amazing um, live stream of just Canadian new wave post-punk artists from like 1977 to like 19. He went chronologically um, and the sounds that he pulled were so not what we would call Canadian music. And yet these artists are amazing, brilliant, um, making incredible music, but you, they'll never get that sort of props because it's not, it's not, you know, guitar, bass, drums, talking about the Canadian experience, talking about Hudson Bay or winter time or, you know, what have you. And, and so I tend to kind of shy away from that, me personally. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, I I feel like that's bound to change over time, um, because it just doesn't reflect, you know, people's people's reality in the same way that it might have at one time. Sure. Um, well, you know what? I think that uh, I'm gonna wrap it up. Um, Let's but, wrap uh, it. It was really uh, it was really great to talk to you guys. I feel like you know we should do this more often or, or like it was nice to have an excuse to catch up yeah along the 401 corridor montreal kingston toronto we're all you know it, you know it. yeah connected by the 401 <laughs> yeah and i hope that uh i hope that one of these days we can uh you know actually visit. enjoy music in per- in person together again as we have yeah. so many times in the past i'm very curious i'm sure we will i'm curious to see what's going to happen to the live music industry in the post covid world so we'll stay tuned for that yeah well i'm sure everyone's kind of trying to figure that out Mm -hmm. like is it going to be a roaring 20s explosion or is it going to be some kind of like baby steps to 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 coming back to some semblance of normalcy exactly we will build the new normal whatever it is i like that i like that well thanks for having us mal thanks mal that's our show i hope you enjoyed it as I said, you can check out the uh, playlist of all the music uh, or a whole bunch of the music that we talked about. You can find that on the podcast homepage or Facebook page. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, uh, please be sure to go uh, write a review, give us a rating, and uh, tell a friend. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs>